Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the Watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. What's up? My name is Tevin Sims. I get the honor and the privilege of being the group's pastor here at Awaken Church, and what that means is I love people. I love people, and I love connecting with people, and I actually love getting people connected into the church. And one of the ways we do that here at Awaken is small groups. And so it's not the only way to get connected. It's a great start. We believe here, if you're new, one of our values is that we believe we grow in our faith through relationships. And so me and my team would love to get you connected into a relationship, get connected into a group. I believe that we were made to do this life together. I really believe we were joking this week. One of the things I say a lot is, I believe we are hashtag better together. And I believe that life was meant to be in community with one another. And so if you want to let us know on your next step card today, that group is your next step. We would love to get you connected this week. You heard Sean mentioned earlier about what the series that we were in, we just concluded it last week, Habits. Pastor Brandon preached an amazing series on habits, and I encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to tune in, go check that out online. And over the couple of weeks that we were in that series, we looked at, you know, what does it look like to begin healthy habits as we start the new year? What does it look like to end bad habits? And then even last week, the way Pastor Brandon concluded was, what does accountability look like? How can we sustain those habits that we want to form? And really the purpose of accountability and the way he ended that message last week was just accountability leading to action. And so today what I want to talk about is really the journey of following Jesus. Maybe what that looks like. If you're today saying that you're a follower of Jesus or maybe you're considering following Jesus today, we're going to unpack, look at scripture and see what maybe the life of following Jesus looks like in our lives. Sound good? I also want to say Thank you, Pastor Brandon, for this opportunity. I don't take these moments for granted, and just thank you for your leadership in my life. Let's turn to Matthew 14. Matthew 14, and in verse 22, it says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land. Beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them, and in the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the son of God. Pray with me. God, thank you for these moments. Jesus, I believe in these moments you are here with us. And I pray as we look at your word, the living word, I pray that you would change our hearts, change my heart, God. 
we want to meet you in this place. We want to encounter you and walk out of this place different because of you. So God, do what only you can do. Help me to deliver this message, God, and let your name be glorified through it all. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of my mom's favorite movies of all time, if I had my mom up here and asked her, what's one of your favorite movies? One of the movies she would say was a movie that Disney released about 10 years ago about a racehorse named Secretariat. Have you seen this movie? Yeah? Okay, we got some racehorse fans, okay. Well, if you haven't seen it, Secretariat was this famous horse, and really the film chronicles the life of Secretariat and the challenges that Secretariat's owner, Penny Chinnery, would endure on their way to victory. Secretariat's famous for winning the Triple Crown in 1973, and without giving the movie away, Penny the owner of Secretariat, she has to endure these challenges. See, in the beginning of the movie, she inherits her father's estate, which includes the horses, and she's faced with a decision, do I pursue horse racing or do I sell it all and just go back to my life? And there's a scene, we watched it multiple times and started to be able to quote scenes from the movie and everything, and there's a scene that always stood out to me, and it's when Penny didn't feel support from her husband, didn't feel support from her brother, and there's a scene where they're talking and interacting with one another, and Penny's brother's trying to convince her, you need to get out while you can, hey, sell the estate, go back to living your simple, safe life as a housewife, right? And Penny looks back at her brother and says, this is not about going back. This is about life being ahead of you and you running at it, because you never know how far you can go unless you run. Now, I thought about that and thinking about this message, and you might be wondering, especially if you're new here, why are we talking about horses up in church, right? And the truth is, if you today would say that you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're considering following Jesus, we're going to be really frustrated if we try to live a simple and safe life while following Jesus. Because the truth is, following Jesus may take us to some uncomfortable situations and may require us to take some big risks. And if I could just give us all some advice, I'm preaching this message to myself today too. If I could give us all some advice when following Jesus and in the words of Penny Chinnery, just run at it, right? Just run at it. I titled today's message, The Boat, The Wind, and The Waves. The Boat, The Wind, and The Waves. We know that Jesus would call 12 disciples to follow him. Most of them, many scholars believe that would be 12 young Jewish men who had their own families, had their own careers, had their own lives. And so 12 times Jesus would approach these men and he would ask them to follow him. And they would leave everything that they had, all their family, leave their entire history and follow Jesus. And they would walk and talk and eat with Jesus. They would go places and essentially for three and a half years, they would wake up, didn't know what the day's plan was. Jesus said, we're going this way and they would follow Jesus this way. Jesus said, we're doing this today and they would do whatever Jesus said. Matthew, even the writer of this gospel, was a tax collector, and he encounters Jesus one day, and Jesus says, Matthew, follow me, and he leaves his tax booth and follows Jesus. And when we get to Matthew 14, what has happened is Jesus is with his disciples, and all of a sudden, he gets word of the death of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus, and so John the Baptist was beheaded by Herod, and word gets back to Jesus, and obviously Jesus feels the pain of losing his relative, John the Baptist. And Jesus is needing some time alone, but actually during that time, he's trying to get away, and there's, it was not uncommon for people, crowds, to follow Jesus. And so this is one of those situations, and the crowd is around Jesus and the disciples, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and Jesus says, hey, let's feed them, let's not send them away, and then we have the feeding of the 5,000. And then Jesus, 
in verse 22, needing some much needed alone time. Can you blame him? He's been crowded by people. He's heard the death of his cousin. Jesus needed some time alone. So what does he do? In verse 22, we see that Jesus puts his disciples in a boat and tells them, hey, go to the other side. I'll meet you over there. And Jesus goes up to the top of the mountain to pray. Right. And we know what happens. The disciples are in the boat. And while they're in the boat, the waves and the wind pick up and Jesus is nowhere to be found. And they find themselves in a storm. They found themselves in a storm. And I read that this week and I was thinking about, man, these disciples are now in a storm, just following Jesus, doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I had to ask myself, who sent this storm? Who put the disciples in this boat and put them in the storm? Right? Because for myself, when I read this, it makes sense that if the disciples are in the storm, they maybe deserve this. Right? They did something to deserve this storm. But when we actually read the text, the disciples are doing exactly what Jesus told them to do, right? Jesus said, go and get in this boat, go to the other side. And in the middle of going to the other side, they run into a storm. And they are running this storm and there's some professional fishermen on the boat. And so they probably would have seen some storms in their day, but this storm is so bad that they're beginning to be afraid. And it says that they are beaten by the waves and the wind. Sometimes following Jesus may feel like you're in a storm. Sometimes following Jesus may feel like you're in a storm. Have you ever felt beaten by the waves and wind of life? I think about a couple years ago, my family, we, my aunt was diagnosed with cancer. And I remember just believing and praying that, hey, my Aunt Betty, well, she'll be healed and she's going to be back healthy. And honestly, she never got better. We see it at holidays and while she would have a smile on her face, we all knew that she was hurting. And she would go treatment after treatment, and she began to lose weight, and you could just see the cancer weighing on her. And just, again, still praying that, God, why would you do this right now? And, God, won't, won't you heal my, my aunt right now? Take the cancer away and the, the turmoil and all the things, the tensions, the emotions that were wrapped up in that within the family. And last fall, she passed away. She actually didn't beat cancer. And I remember sitting at that funeral processing it all and just thinking to myself, God, why, why would you do that? She was one of the good ones. She loved you, Jesus. Why would you take her away, especially in the year 2020? Why would you do that? And not really understanding God's ways and why he would choose to take my aunt's life away. How come he didn't heal my aunt? And I read this this week and I was just reminded, sometimes following Jesus feels like a storm. And the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. That sometimes good things happen to bad people and sometimes bad things happen to good people. And if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll put expectations on a stage or a platform or a spiritual leader in our life and have them say, if you just decide to follow Jesus, if you just believe in him, you'll never have any troubles in your life. And that's a promise a pastor cannot keep because these disciples are following Jesus. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, but they find themselves in the middle of a storm. I know some people right now who love Jesus and are obeying him, and they feel like they're in a storm. So here's the encouragement today. If you feel like you are beaten by the waves and wind of life because you're following Jesus, I think that's okay. That's Okay because that's where these disciples find themselves in this story. They are afraid of this storm, and not only are they afraid of this storm, 
it gets worse for them. Jesus starts to walk on the water towards them. They think, they don't know it's Jesus, but they think it's a ghost. So not only are they afraid of the storm, but now they're afraid of a ghost walking towards them in the middle of this storm. And the Bible says that they literally scream out. They scream out. And I imagine just like a grade school girl out on the recess playground, right? Just, ah! And that's literally as loud as I can go. I can't go any higher. I'm not Zoe up here. But they scream, right? It's a ghost! And Jesus responds to him immediately and says, hey, it's me, it's me. Actually, the Hebrew word there is I am. That may not mean a lot to us, but to those Jewish young men, that would have meant a lot. Jesus says, I am, don't be afraid. And then the favorite, my favorite part of this whole story comes up next, right? Because we know Peter. Peter is the one who many scholars believe is the oldest of the bunch. And Peter is known for just kind of speaking out of turn, right? Peter always responded emotionally, wore his emotions on his sleeve, right? This is one of those moments where Peter says something, right? Peter says, well, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out on the water. And I imagine, you know, it's like, bet, bet, tell me to do it then, Jesus, right? And Jesus is like, come. I imagine Peter like, oh, shoot, okay, all right, okay. Y'all hold on to me, hold on to me. Don't push me, don't push me, right? Now, let's just have a little fun with the text for a second, right? Because I was playing this out in my mind of what this actually might have looked like, right? Peter says, Jesus, if that's really you, tell me to come. Jesus says, come. How would you walk on water? Let's just, just think about it for a second. How would you walk on water? Would you walk like this? Tell me to come, Jesus. Come. Coming, Lord. Would you, would you walk like that? This is my favorite walk. I was telling Shelby, my wife, this this week. I was like, would you walk? This is my pimp walk, right? Coming, Lord. I got this. Talk like Justin Riccio a little bit. Ah, what it do, what it do. Ah, I got this. I got this, right? How would you walk on water? I'll tell you how I would walk on water. This is how I would walk on water. And I, I, I love Jesus, and I think I have some faith. This is exactly how I walk on water. Okay? Mm, all right. It'd be like trying to step into like a hot shower or like a, you know, hot tub for the first time. Woo, okay. Mm. All right, I'm coming. Don't, don't rush me. I got it. I'm coming, Jesus. Woo, okay, okay, okay. Well, we out here, okay. We- and I'd be shaking. You ever tried to walk on like a trampoline or sky zone or something and kids are bouncing? Out? All right, I'm out here, right? I'm out here. Each step would be intentional. Each step would be, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I got it, right? I thought to myself, I wonder if Peter planned to be walking on water, right? I wonder when Peter got up that day, you know, like, I wonder if he thought to himself, you know, we ask one another, hey, what's your plans the rest of the day? I wonder if Peter would have looked at somebody and been like, ah, you know, feed a couple thousand people with Jesus and uh, end up in a storm with the guys and... uh, probably to wrap up the night, walk on water, you know? I wonder if Peter planned that. I don't think he did, right? I don't think Peter planned it. I've been reading through Proverbs this month, and Proverbs 16.9 says that the heart of man plans his way, but it's the Lord that establishes his steps, right? Man, don't we get caught up in the destination or the plan sometimes? And hear me now, I don't have anything against goals and destinations and plans. As a team, we have goals and plans for this year where we want to see God do in in and through the church this year. Me and my wife, Shelby, 
We have goals as a family, plans that we want to see happen. But I don't think God is as concerned with plans as much as he is concerned about our steps. Right? And I, I really believe that God sometimes is more worried about our steps than our plans. And I think our plans can be all great and can be cute. But really following Jesus is just about taking a step. You want to know what God thinks about our plans? I'll give you an example of how God thinks about our plans. If I'm being really honest, my plan was not to be up on this stage preaching. My plan was not to be on staff at a church. I moved to Charleston because my plan was to go to the medical field. I was going to go to school, College of Charleston, go to MUSC, you know, pass all the classes and stuff and end up in the medical field, a nurse or PA or something like that. And I go and find a job. I didn't really like Charleston. I, the beach is cool, but then the sand, you know, it gets everywhere. I'm still cleaning up sand from like last summer. So the beach really wasn't my scene. I'm from the upstate. I'm from Greenwood, small town, you know, like shout out Dixie Drive-In, things like that, you know, where there's no traffic and stuff like that. That's from where I'm from. But my sophomore year, I got invited I got invited to Awaken Church, and my friend was like, hey, you should come check it out. And I went and checked it out, and they were meeting at a small building in West Ashley. It didn't look anything like this. And I remember I met some cool people and got connected to a college group. Sean and Carly Ferguson were leading a college group, shout out, and got, met some other students and started serving. And I'd be in the parking lot, and I'd be a part of the safety team. It wasn't the safety team then. It was just, hey, guard this kid's hallway with everything that you got, right? <laughs> some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I just started serving, then one day somebody asked me, hey, would you like to be a youth leader? And it was a small youth group, and there was a Christmas party, and I went to the Christmas party and went home that Christmas and started really kind of feeling like God was calling me into ministry. And I was like, I don't know what that looks like, but my plan, Lord, is to continue to go in the medical field. And remember, over winter break, you know, Alabama was playing Ohio State in a playoff game and going back and forth to Pastor Brandon on Twitter. He thought Alabama was going to win. I was like, Ohio State's going to win. And we all know what happened. Ohio State beat Alabama because I'm a winner. You know, I know how to call games. But dream job will be like to work with like ESPN or something. Those guys just predict games. But I end up, the bet was whoever won the bet would go and we'd get lunch. Pastor Brandon, we went to lunch one day and remember him asking me, hey, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, man, I hate when people ask that. Because I'm wrestling, like I feel like God's calling me to ministry, but I don't know what that looks like, but... Then my plan is to go in the medical field, but here I am, and that's all really we talked about. And then we just, you know, had a great lunch, and Ashley and the kids and stuff. And and then a month later, Pastor Brandon calls me and says, hey, we got a position working with our students. It's part-time. I know you're finishing up school, but would you consider, like, coming on to the team? And I prayed about it, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. And fast forward, here I am, right? Here I am. One One part of the plan. One part of the plan. And when people ask, sometimes you maybe see like somebody who's much older and they ask them, man, how did you become such a great leader? How did you just build this amazing business? How did you become such a godly mom or godly dad? And what we do is what do we do? We try to tell them, well, hey, brother, because that's how church people talk. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Here's my 10-step plan of how to be a successful business leader. Here's how I became a godly husband. I woke up and it's like, oh, you, let's be honest. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. 
when people ask us, how did you become such a godly person? It's like, who, me? I, I was just following Jesus. And Jesus said, step out of the boat. And I stepped out of the boat. And I just kept taking a step and taking another step and taking one more step and look back at your life. And it's like, wow, look what God did. I could have never planned that. I could have never imagined that God would do this in and through me. I was just following Jesus. I was just taking a step. I believe following Jesus can be summarized by just taking one small step after another. It didn't say Peter ran. It didn't say he skipped. When's the last time you skipped? It says he just took a step and he walked on water. And we know what happens next, right? Peter's walking on water, doing the impossible. Peter and Jesus are the only two ever in human history to ever walk on water. And what happens? Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus because he starts to look at the wind and he begins, begins to get afraid. And what happens? He begins to sink. And Peter cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reaches out and saves Peter. And I just imagine that they're on the water now, waves and wind still going crazy. They're still walking. They're still on the water, standing there, still doing the impossible and Many scholars believe that Jesus is rebuking Peter here. And I, I, the way I see it, I just kind of see it as like they're just a coach talking to a player, you know, in the middle of a game. And he's like, hey, Peter, Peter. Again, wind and wave still going on. But Peter, why'd you doubt? Why did you doubt? And sometimes I read a story like this, and maybe you do too, and you're like, come on, Peter. Bro, you were walking on water. You got afraid of the wind. You... You're, walk, you're, you're afraid of stuff that you were walking on. Why'd you do it, Peter? But if we're honest, if I'm honest, I take my eyes off of Jesus all the time. Here's what it looks like for us. Maybe you heard Mary Cameron today, and maybe you're, I served. I used to serve, and I started serving. I started following Jesus, and man, God's using me in an amazing way. I'm taking steps. I, I'm out of the boat. It's out of my comfort zone. I didn't really want to, but I'm trusting you, Jesus, and God's using me, and I'm encouraging people and sharing my, my life and sharing my faith with people, and then you take your eyes off of Jesus, and you start looking at the time you don't have versus the time you do have, and you stop serving, and then you wonder why God's not using you anymore. Maybe you step out of your boat and you're like, I'm going to trust you, God. You say to trust you with the tithe. And you start to trust God with your finances and you start tithing. You're like, this is great. I'm growing so much in my faith. God, you're amazing. You're faithful. And then things get tight one month. And what do we do? God, I got to take that back. So I don't, I, I, I'm doubting. I, I, I got to take that tithe back. And then we wonder why our finances are just so much trouble in them. Maybe you say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get up and during this series of habits, I'm going to get up and I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray to God. And then things start happening. You start taking your eyes off of Jesus. And now you're consumed with things of this world and all your circumstances. And then you wonder why you feel like you're sinking. Why you feel so much anxiety, depression. And it's because you took your eyes off of Jesus. We're no different than Peter here. But what I love is that Peter... And Jesus are having this conversation. And Jesus says, Peter, why'd you doubt? And I wonder if Jesus is saying that to some of us today. Why'd you doubt? Why'd you take your eyes off of me? You were doing so good. Now, just imagine Jesus and Peter having this conversation again, still walking on water. And they're walking back to the boat. The other disciples have been watching this whole thing go down. And 
says when they get back to the boat, they get inside of the boat and then the wind ceases. It's like great timing, right? I would have stopped the wind when, when Peter started to sink, but Jesus waits until they get into the boat, which reminds me that God doesn't work on our timing. He won't always save us from the storm, but he'll take us through it. And they get into the boat and the wind ceases. And what happens next is the Bible says that the disciples in the boat begin to worship Jesus. And if I'm being honest, my personality, the way I would have been in the story, I would have been like, yo, before we start singing, can we talk about Peter for a second? We almost lost our boy, right? Am I the only one that's like, yo, Peter probably still wet. He's probably shivering a little bit. But that's not what happens as they begin to worship Jesus. In Matthew 8, the disciples find themselves in the boat and they find themselves in another storm. But this time Jesus is on the boat, but he's asleep. And says that the wind and the waves get so strong that they think that they're going to die. And they wake up Jesus and say, do you even care? And Jesus gets up and he calms the storm. Matthew 8 says that at that moment, the disciples saw Jesus do this and they thought to themselves, who is this man? Did even the waves and the wind obey him? Matthew 14, they've seen this before. They see Jesus walking on the water. They see Peter step out of the boat, walk on water, save Peter. They walk back on the water to the boat, get in the boat, storm stops. And instead of thinking, who is this man? The disciples say, truly, you are the son of God. And they worship him. Church, we will see Jesus for who he is in the middle of a storm. Not just us. People are watching because there's 11 other guys in the boat who saw this too. They weren't on the water, but they were in the boat watching. It says all of them worship Jesus. People watching us, when we step out of the boat in the middle of a storm, people will see Jesus for who he is and the power that is there in the middle of a storm when we step out of the boat. Here's how I want to close. Have you ever seen the movie uh, or read the book, Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, Witch, The Wardrobe? That was inspiration for the title, The Boat, The Wind, and The Waves, right? I remember reading that book as a kid. And I was in grade school, and it, honestly, the only reason why I picked it up was because it had a really cool cover. And started reading it, and the author, C.S. Lewis, wrote those books to show his kid who God is and what he's like. And in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's a character, Aslan. There's an interaction that happens between Mr. and Mrs. Beaver and Susan and Lucy. And they begin asking questions, who is Aslan? And Aslan's supposed to be this picture of God. And Mr. and Mrs. Beaver say, Aslan is the great lion. Susan and Lucy hear this and they say, a lion? I... I thought that he would be a man. I'm quite unsure about meeting a lion. Is he he safe? Is he a safe lion? Mr. Beaver looks back at Lucy and says, safe? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good and he is king. And I didn't understand that as a kid, but now growing older and being a follower of Jesus, I see it now. Isn't that our God? Is he a safe God? 
Is Jesus safe? No, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good and he is king. Church, I can't promise you that following Jesus won't get uncomfortable sometimes. I can't promise you that following Jesus won't take you through a storm sometimes. But I can promise you this, that Jesus is there and he's good and he is king. Church, what would it look like if we all stepped out of our proverbial boats? Following Jesus is not some lackadaisical journey. We don't put our faith in Jesus and then just coast through the rest of life. Following Jesus is about adventure. It's about risk. It's about living. The object of this church is not convenience, it's commission. The early church, a symbol of, of a boat would be given to the early church. And many would say that the church was represented in this boat because this was a, ref, a refuge, a safe place for those who want to seek shelter from the winds and waves of this life. When I read through the early church and the movement that happened, there was a chip on their shoulder. There was an aggression pushing back the darkness, advancing the kingdom of God. And I just wonder, I'm talking to myself too, have we lost our edge as the church? Have we lost our edge? Are we just comfortable staying in the boat? Are we just comfortable just watching things go by? Whose faith is inspiring in this story? Is it the 11 guys who stayed dry in the boat? Or is it the one who had faith to walk on water? Will we mess up? Oh, for sure. Peter messed up. He took his eyes off Jesus. We'll mess up. Sometimes we'll end up wet. And we'll come back to this place wet and we may even come back with scratches and bruises and we'll regroup. But you know what? We were out there. At least we tried. And we'll go back out and we'll continue to follow Jesus. Will you step out of the boat? Will you step out of the boat today? I can't promise you a safe life in following Jesus. I can't promise you that following Jesus might sometimes have you change your calendar. Following Jesus might sometimes have you to move somewhere that you don't want to go. Following Jesus might ask you to sit there and give money to something that he cares about. Our lives are not safe following Jesus. I wasn't going to share this, but all these disciples, they would become apostles in the early church. And I was just reading last night and just wondering what happened to these Disciples, I know what happened to some of them, but you know, majority of these guys who would have seen Jesus walk on water, they died for their faith. People tried to get them to denounce their faith and they said, absolutely not. I know what I've seen. I've seen the resurrected king. I cannot deny that. And people killed him. Following Jesus isn't safe. But what would happen? What would happen if we stepped out of the boat? We start following Jesus, keeping our eyes on him. Why does this matter? Because people's lives hang in the balance for eternity. And if we just step out of the boat, if we just take a step and trust Jesus, we might just reach one more. And that one more is somebody's mom or somebody's dad, somebody's son or somebody's daughter. Every person matters to God. What would happen if we stepped out of the boat? I cannot promise you a safe life of following Jesus, but here's what I can promise you. That Jesus said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
He's with you to the end of the age. He's the great I am. He is the lion. He is the lamb. He's the one who has the victory. And that is our hope. You believe it, church? Let's pray together. God, thank you. You are the great I am. You are king. and You are good. Jesus, in these moments, we... We ask that, God, you would give us the faith. Faith begins with you, Jesus. You would give us the faith to step out of our boat. And we would trust you to take a step. We know that things may feel uneasy. Things may seem uncomfortable. It may feel like we're in a storm, but Jesus, you're in the middle of the storm with us. So in these moments, God, let this not just be a message that we just store in our heads, but let it move us to action. Let us move us to move and to reach and to connect and to love this hurting and broken world. We got a message that God has to get out. It has to get out, Jesus. Empower each and every single person in this room and watching online under the sound of my voice. Empower them through your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do. God, we're asking for a revival. God, we're asking for a movement, much like we saw in the early church, a movement that could not be stopped because you're leading the way. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his death, and we thank you for his resurrection. Because he got up, we can get up too. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.